This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, I'm Kate Wheeler with Christine Bentley, and you're listening to what she said on 1059 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money, that's wealth esteem. Super excited for our first guest today, Christine. Joanne Vanicola is an Emmy winning actor who you've seen most recently on CBC's Street Legal and the Netflix horror series Slasher. And they just wrote a book called All We Knew But Couldn't Say. It's a memoir about the years it took them to recognize reconcile their queer, non-binary identity with the demands of a deeply closeted industry. And we're going to talk to Joanne about if things are improving for queer people in the film and television industry, specifically here in Canada. Okay. Well, if you love to dance, but maybe you're too intimidated to learn choreography, have you heard of Find Your Fears? I have not. Well, it launched initially as a dance choreography program in Toronto, but now it's evolved into what Monica Gold describes as a workout class where Zumba meets Beyonce on a triple shot of espresso. <laughs> Sounds like you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> We're, well, I don't know. We're going to learn all about it and get this. Some classes are heels optional. I don't know if I can exercise. Well, what did Ginger Rogers say? She does everything Fred Astaire does, but she... Did it backwards and in high heels. So there you go. Vancouver comedian Miles Anderson will be here to tell us about his new debut comedy album, Miles from Home. Film critic Ann Brody will tell us what to watch on television and at the movies this weekend, plus a chat with Meridian senior wealth advisor Jordan Damiani about socially responsible investing. And don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk and download our free Apple podcast. Just search What She Said in any app that you use and click subscribe. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So let's get a... a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Our first guest is an Emmy-winning actor who you've seen on CBC's Street Legal Reboot and most recently in the horror series Slasher on Netflix. Now, Joanne Vanicola, welcome to What She Said. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, you just released a memoir called All We Knew But Couldn't Say, and it's about the years it took you to reconcile your queer, non-binary identity with the demands of a deeply closeted industry. Mm -hmm. But first of all, um, can you help us and our viewers learn how to use the correct pronouns? Because properly, we should be using they, them, their, and themselves. And that can be confusing. 
I think it is. I think particularly, uh, uh, you know, for, for, for people above the age of 20, <laughs> I think it's a little bit harder when you think about language because there's plural and singular. Mm-hmm. And I think people are so, you know, set in their ways in terms of how they've learned language. But I think when you separate language from people's lives and, uh, you know, transgender people and non-binary people, uh, you, you know, there's a specific reality around gender uh, and not fitting into the binary. And that would be, you know, uh, feminine here and masculine here. That is the binary. And they're both kind of extremes on the on the spectrum of gender when you think of non-binary and transgender people, androgynous people. Uh, And so... I never fit in, for example, uh, in in a sort of classically female, stereotypical, uh, feminine uh, expression of gender. And it, it, it was so hard for me my entire life to explain what that was because people would say, well, just because you're a lesbian doesn't mean that you, you know, you can't be feminine. And I would say, but... A lipstick that, lesbian, isn't that the term? Well, <laughs> one of the it terms. was one of the terms. <laughs> but it was hard to describe because I didn't have the language when I was growing up. And if I'd had the word non-binary... I would have been able to say, but I'm non-binary. Uh, I'm not really feminine, and I don't want to wear dresses. I don't want to wear a bunch of makeup. I don't want to grow my hair and wear high heels. I'm not that person. And it's very, very different. Sexuality is very different from expression of gender. And I think it became the language of choice for, for non-binary people to start using they, them, even Z. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, in grammar, yes. they, them indicates... A plurality. I understand. And so if you were reading a book and you weren't seeing a movie, let's say, you would assume there would be more than one. So is it not a question of needing another word? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. Think because so. I would find that very, I find that very confusing. Because it can it's, be. It's, the word they, them, is yeah. meant to express something, and what you're trying to express yes. is something else. But so I think it's just training word. the brain. I think it's training, training the brain. brain. It really is training the brain because I know that seems like a difficult thing, but there are people that I know who have trained their brains, and they're so good at it. They're even better than I am at it, and these are like straight binary people. And I'm like, okay. they use they, them, z, and they, they find a way to do it, and they've trained their brains. Well, there are good. a lot of other words, but we'll just stop we'll there. there. Okay, we'll stop there. <laughs> now, you have spent years as an advocate yeah. for child abuse uh, survivors, LGBTQ2 plus rights, and representation in the film and television industry. Tell us what it was that moved you to write this book. Uh, well, it's a big journey, the book. It, it mm-hmm. starts um, in my childhood years, uh, and it's about growing up in a violent home with two abusive parents. And uh, I had older siblings. So I had three older siblings. To you know, One of them was a boy, and he didn't really experience the same uh, abuse at home. He was sort of you know, the male in a very traditional Italian uh, mm-hmm. family, and he didn't understand you know, the, the, the half of it that the girls went through. And I saw my elder sisters go through so much violence and so much emotional degradation and it kind of trickled down to me um, but I, I, I sort of grew up in a climate of fear and, 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 and sort of not knowing when you'd be beaten or if, you know, what, what might happen. So it was very, very difficult. But as the baby and the last born, uh, you, my mother put a lot of energy into me, and that energy was about being a star. So there was all the lessons and, and, and the acting, and, and it became like the best uh, form of escapism for I me. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it was brilliant, really, in the end. Um, but it was about navigating that childhood, surviving it, uh, getting away from it, 
and learning then how to function in the world because I left home when I was about 14 going on 15. Um, my mother wanted me to leave. <laughs> so, and it was mutual. And so that was that. I went to another city and... and and what it. did you do at 14, 15? I went to a high school. I lived with a roommate. And then suddenly I was living in the adult world, taking care of myself and, and, and not knowing how and t- trying to survive. And then you're in the entertainment industry. Correct. How were you? You referred to it in the industry as the deeply closeted I- industry. So has anything changed? I, I do think it's changed. I think it's still deeply closeted. Um, you know, I, I, I spoke to a young actor recently who uh, wasn't sent out for a, par- a part that was uh, um, mm-hmm. asking for a gay character. Uh, it's a gay audition. And he didn't he didn't go in because he wasn't selected by, by the people in positions of power because they didn't want him to play a gay part. Uh, they didn't want it to stereotype his career. So there's a lot of insidious and homophobic kind of things that happen every day in, in the film industry that one would never hear about necessarily unless you're really plugged in. And, you know, I'm an advocate and I started the LGBTQ um, committee at the union. So a lot of people now talk to me about about what it is. So let me ask you a question because we've heard recently a lot of people saying, well, that person isn't isn't gay or isn't why is a you know straight person playing yeah. them and then the response is it's acting you know everybody should be up for the part how yeah. do you feel about that so it took me a long time to really think that through it wasn't an easy um, conclusion and I don't I don't know that I have a, a full conclusion but I feel like because things are changing so rapidly in the culture um, and because there's really a big power dynamic difference, a power difference between mm-hmm. heterosexual actors and queer actors, usually it's heterosexual actors that actually get to play anything. It's mm-hmm. acting. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to ah. queer actors, we are not, it's everything. You can do everything. Uh, unless you're very closeted or you can pass as straight or you're not out. And that happens for many, many queer actors. They're afraid to be out because then they will be stereotyped and then they will not get to go for the same roles that the heterosexual people audition for all the time. So it's not a two-way street. It's not equal. Um, and until it's equal, I think that queer people and LGBTQ people should be playing LGBTQ characters because there's very little out there for LGBTQ actors. Um, but it's going to take some time, I think, for, for, for human rights and equity and, and storytelling that's, that's you know, across the board to, to equal out. So what... what do you hope people take from this book and who do you think should read it? You know, I know you're going to say everyone should read it. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you break it down, I think like, you know, survivors of abuse, I think mm-hmm. women, uh, feminist, LGBTQ people, people who are in the film business, um, maybe even young adults who, you know, there's a lot of information in there about uh, depression and, and probably mental health, I guess, because as a teen, I, I had a lot of struggles dealing with the memories of my childhood. And, mm, um, I bet. Yeah, and I ended up having this eating disorder, which was compounded by being in the film industry and then wanting me to look a certain way as a girl and to hide my sexuality. All those things uh, really impacted the way I thought about myself. I saw myself. And so I think, you know, I think, yes, anybody could read it, but I think there are specific people that it might help more than others and they might see reflections of themselves in it's really quite uh, quite astonishing. I mean, from what you you endured as a child with so little um, mm-hmm. support and yeah. um, you know sort of healthy framework, if you yeah. will, uh, that you are where you are today. Yeah, well, I did get a lot of help. <laughs> you know, I went to therapy. I talked to people. I had you know advice here and there, and sometimes it just took a little 
sentence or a phrase or one book or one person to kind of just say something that tweaked. And it didn't have to be a big relationship. It could just be a passing moment. And it was like, oh, I've got to remember that. Now, you're, you're going to be a part of the Word on the Street uh, book and magazine festival in Toronto this September, the 30th anniversary. So tell us yes. uh, what you're going to be doing there. Um, I don't know the entire <laughs> the entirety of my role there, but I do know that I'm uh, sort of featured with some other authors or new authors uh, on the 22nd of September, um, part of a panel and uh, workshop, possibly discussions. I'm also um, uh, with the Diaspora Dialogues um, uh, program on the 21st, which is separate from the event on the 22nd. Awesome. So yeah. where can uh, people connect with you online and yeah. get a copy of the book? Uh, well, the book is available in many small stores across the, uh, you know, uh, well, in North America and in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also get it online at the big stores, Indigo, Perfect. Amazon, okay. uh, or small stores like Glad Day or, or Another Story or McNally's. Um, Coles. Um, and, yeah. and you have a website? I do. It's uh, I have two websites. One is uh, joannevanicola.com okay. and one is uh, joannevanicolaauthor.com, which is specifically to the, the memoir All We Knew But Couldn't Say. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for and having sharing me. sharing your story. Yeah, and thank best you. Best of luck. Thank you so much. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESAID. Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand-new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it. You'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch Sundays at Draco. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Jordan Damiani. He is a senior wealth advisor at Meridian Credit Union. And today we are discussing socially responsible investing. Welcome back to the show, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Okay, so as a society, there seems to be more focus than ever on on living our values. And you believe investing can be an extension of one's belief systems, right? I can, and I think especially because I'm part of the millennial cohort. You know, we incre- oh, you admit that, do you? I admit it. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do. Sometimes there's a negative connotation, but uh, no. But but I think you know, uh, in society today, we're really looking to live our values, right? So, okay. for instance, are we being environmentally friendly? Are we getting rid of our water bottles? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Are we you know accumulating in landfills and things like that? So you know, naturally, that can be extended to the investments that uh, that we choose for ourselves. 
And I think this category has been a, a, around for quite a, a long time. However, mm. it's getting a little bit more traction as time goes on. Well, I know that like, when I look at my investments, um, even though um, I, I may smoke the odd cigarette, I don't want to invest in tobacco companies. I don't. Right. I choose what I don't want to invest in. But now there's more options about telling you what you can invest in. But it, it, how many people would you say are aware of this or use this kind yes. of format? So you know what? I, I feel like... It, probably is underutilized. Now, McKinsey Investments did a, a study mm-hmm. that suggested 70% of Canadians are interested Interesting. You know, in okay. socially responsible investing. It just doesn't necessarily always come up, you know, because mm-hmm. people have the perception that, you know, investments that maybe, you know, are bad for the environment might make them more money, which doesn't always have to be the case. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope so, not. <laughs> so do you think the reason that people are not more... Uh, sort of engaged in this on an active basis, maybe because it adds another layer of complexity. Investing is already hard. Yeah. So yeah. it adds another layer where you're saying, okay, uh, I'm now cutting down my other opportunities. Absolutely. And and I think um, traditionally it's not been something that's been offered everywhere. You know, if you go into your traditional bank, they're not going to say, hey, would you like a socially responsible investing option? They might just have a limited framework of options. And I think even the category um, isn't really explained well. So, you know, a lot of people don't really know what options are available to them or what um, qualifies as socially responsible investing in the first place. Well, here you are. So explain to us. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for example, you're a vegan, right? A vegetarian. Vegetarian. So... Um, you would not, how would that translate for Alberta you? Alberta beef is out of luck for you? It's, it's out of luck <laughs> with a smile on my face. So, yes, you know what? So I, myself, I've got you know, some individual companies that I own and mutual funds, but I, I would go out of my way to make sure I don't buy individual stocks of companies that I would perceive as being uh, you know, not vegetarian friendly. I think when you, when you screen things down, it's really hard to, be, you know, to kind of perfect that. Okay. But what does um, – okay, so SRI, that's what we're yep. going to call it from now on. Yep. So describe what um, factors sure. make, the, make it an SRI investment. Absolutely. So there's really two core components if you think. So SRI stands for socially responsible uh, investing. And there's kind of a lighter version of it. So they call that ESG, which stands for environmental, social, and governance factors. So really they're still looking at a wide range of companies that are out there that they could possibly invest in. So these are still you know, mainstream – uh, multinational companies, but they're going to focus and say, you know, are these companies, so I'll give you an example, if it's an oil company, you know, are they still pushing to be more environmentally friendly? So are they trying to reduce carbon emissions? Are they focusing more on um, like hydroelectric uh, electric as an example? Um, and they might look at that as a consideration versus a peer. Mm-hmm. Um, the other element, so say maybe social, well, if it's a mining company, are they mining conflict diamonds? You know, mm-hmm. that we would find socially unacceptable if we actually knew where they were rooted from um, or governance. So a lot of corporate boards tend to be white males. Right. Are we there's there diversity in the in the corporate board and, and the, thus a diversity of opinion. So that sounds like a lot of work for yes, exactly. uh, for an invest for an investor to consider. Do you handle all that and break it down for yeah. people? So, so that's where you kind of outsource, you know, a lot of this to a, a, a professional or fund manager. So the credit unions actually you know, tend to be very community focused. And an extension of that is partnering mm. with uh, NEI Investments, which is a socially responsible uh, investment firm predominantly with over 30 years of experience. So a lot of times, you know, people 
to, to your point, Kate, you know, it's a lot of work. Do I have to do it? Well, not necessarily. You can outsource that responsibility. So at a fund company level, they're doing those screens just to make sure that what you invest in, you know, passes that litmus test. But I, I would assume there, there are so many different factors for different investors. For some people, it might be energy. For some people, it might be food. For some people, it might be diversity. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so that's a great point. So I think short of buying individual companies, it's kind of imperfect because there's always going to be something. So great examples, if you own any company, well, for me, if they serve meat in their cafeteria, is that, you know, a reason to exclude it? Well, it can't be if it's, you know, if it's such a, a small element of their business, right? Okay, so let, let's talk about um, Beyond Meat. Sure. You put that put that in here as a, a case study, and because you're a vegetarian, um, but I have my, you know, I have, I think it's a great idea, but mm-hmm. I'm concerned about what we're putting into our children's bodies, and basically, Beyond Meat counts as a highly processed food that has a lot of bad stuff in it. That you'd be better off to, you know grind up a few beans or lentils and make make yeah. your own burger. So there are different ways of weighing everything. That's fair. And you know, the comment about the lentils, I would agree with you. There's going to be nothing <laughs> there's going to be nothing healthier than that. But I think if we look at traditional beef and some of the impacts, so I think a lot of uh, you know, people are positioning it as being healthier. Mm-hmm. I don't know so much that it's healthier, just more friendly to animals and the environment. So there mm-hmm. was actually um, a neat study from the University of Michigan that said, you know, beyond beef uh, beyond beef, uh, beyond meat. meat, excuse me, <laughs> burgers okay. we got there. compared to uh, a traditional beef burger, ha- use about 99% less water, mm-hmm. 93% uh, less land, and 90% or generate 90% fewer greenhouse gas emissions. So this is just an example that I wouldn't necessarily endorse as a you know good or bad investment, but just to show that this is now a publicly traded company that people can look at and say, is this company disrupting you know a decades-old traditional market? And do I want to choose to invest in this? So these are kind of some of the the core concepts. And I'll kind of go back to what is SRI investing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one is where they're actually stricter and omit certain categories. So if you think of kind of to the the comment about what do they not invest in, Mm -hmm. and everyone might feel differently, they're going to look at, you know, say four or five categories and say, what do most people feel is unacceptable to invest in. So so that would be, you know, traditionally weapons, it would be pornography, it would be gambling. Tobacco. Tobacco is a, mm-hmm. a big one. one now. Yeah, absolutely. So is there, um, are there p- companies that specifically, were investment companies that specifically work in SRIs? Yeah, so so just to kind of reiterate with uh, NEI Investments, so that really is a, a partner of the credit union. Actually, okay. they're partially owned by the credit union cooperative across Canada. Okay. And it really is a big focus for them to be uh, socially responsible. What does NEI stand so, for? So uh, Northwestern Ethical or, or Investments. Ethical Investments. For, okay. Yeah. And they can they can access uh, somebody f- or funds from there through you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think of traditionally, people would you know walk into the credit union. So let's use Meridian as an example, and you know the advisor that they meet with would you know kind of sit down with them and do that discovery. And, and really ask them what's important to them. So if socially responsible investing is important, well, that's great. We've got those fantastic options available in-house. And they really function like traditional mutual funds because really that's, that's what they are, where you're getting a portfolio manager to effectively take your money and pick a basket of investments on your behalf. And it's still tailored to risk tolerance. So you can have a really conservative portfolio 
or a really growth-oriented one that's still socially responsible. Where does weed fit in? Is that considered yeah. a, a socially fit, responsible it, investment? It depends on who you ask. <laughs> it, it, it fits in where I, I think I've got probably on a weekly basis, I get people asking about uh, marijuana companies. So I guess would it be considered tobacco? That's that's uh, yeah, that's what that's you know, what I'm asking. That's, that's I mean, a question. You know, I, I think um, it's a, it's a new industry. So what you'll find is it's really volatile. So it yes, I found that. You found that. <laughs> I found that. I'm still waiting to catch up after the massive plummet. But you know, we'll see what happens. I'm right. just sitting, leaving yeah. it, waiting. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think um, so. That's you know goes to the the whole concept of they still look at companies from a normal. Um, investment perspective, you know, and the marijuana industry is very new. You know, really, there aren't a lot of profits there. There's a lot of spending. So you might not see that included just by virtue of not, you know, wanting these speculative businesses, right? Okay, so where do people go to learn more? Yeah, so the, the easiest spot is www.meridiancu.ca. So that would be um, our website where you can actually seek out any local advisor and, um, you know, really go into any Meridian branch and get started and just ask for socially responsible investing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for telling us all about this and joining us today. Oh, thank you very much. What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect! Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. It is time now for Saturday Night at the Movies. Film critic Ann Brody is here with us and one of the greatest films ever made is turning 40 in a big way. Biggest way. It's been completely restored to fork and put into 4K. It's Dolby Atmos in sound. It's crystalline, and it's 49 minutes have been clapped onto the original. So and this the original is the third being. Uh, time wise? No, no, no. The name. We don't know oh, what apocalypse. we're talking about now. <laughs> apocalypse now. Da, 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 Thank da, you. Da. Where did the extra 40 minutes come from? Well, they made a version called uh, Director's Cut, which was oh. really long and boring. And I've seen this film 26 times already because I love it so much. So I can't wait to see this version. Really? Yeah. High and praise, it's, I'm telling you, yeah. from and, the critic. Yes. And it's in theaters as of this weekend. And it will also be available on DVD and digital download. But my recommendation is to go and see it in an Atmos theater. In a yeah. in Atmos. Why? The Dolby Sound. The Dolby Sound? Oh, okay. You can hear things behind. You can hear it up in the yeah. ceiling like Roma. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Surround sound. Cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I've seen trailers, and she looks transformed. Kate Blanchett in Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Where'd, yes. Well... She's such a good actress. This is middling material, okay? But she really raises it up. An amazing performance of a woman who's um, 
a disgraced architect who escaped L.A., and now she's moved to Seattle, and now she's blaming all her problems on Seattle. So she has a difficult relationship with her husband, Billy Crudup, in his first husband role this week. <laughs> and uh, um, she's beginning to break down. Things are happening like they're, she's got this fabulous old home shot in Vancouver, and greenery is beginning to grow up through the panels, and all she does is just cover it up. Um, this magnificent home. Uh, so anyway, she's about to go off the deep end, and she decides, well, I'll go to Antarctica, <laughs> which doesn't seem like such a good idea. Uh, so she and her family meet up there, but it's a long and involved journey. You know, not my favorite film, but mm. she really gives it class and elegance and energy, and she's what it's all about. Another great actress, uh, Julianne Moore. Family affair. Yeah, yeah, family affair. Uh, Bart Freudlein, her husband, he's a filmmaker. This is his film, he wrote direct. And um, she plays a very wealthy tech person in New York. She gets Michelle Williams to come over from India, dangling a donation in front of her for the orphanage that she runs. And um, but there's a there's a another agenda going on that Michelle doesn't realize, and it's all about Julianne Moore. It's it's okay. It's a remake of a really good film from Denmark that I liked with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, but the problem is... Oh, it's, oh, there's a... Mads. Whenever she mentions Mads, there's oh, a twinkle Mads. in her eye. <laughs> You're mad about Mads? <laughs> mad about Mads. Um, Mrs. Mikkelsen. Um, so... <clears throat> We've thrown Julianne her. Moore. She's, she's yeah, lost no, her trail and forth. <laughs> without saying any more of the plot, Julianne Moore blew it for me totally because she's just, she overdoes. She's so indulgent in this thing. Oh, really? She's got this awful crying scene. And I'm like, shut up, Julianne. Shut up. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we should uh, move on then because, after all, what is summer without a shark? 47 meters down, uncaged. A couple of, uh, as you say, nubile young starlets, including Sylvester Stallone's daughter, Sistine. Sistine Rose. All of his girls have Rose as a middle name. She's very beautiful. She really is. Um, but all these girls are wearing dental floss, of course. Uh, so they decide to go and explore underwater cities in Mexico. Um, they've been warned that, you know, it's dangerous down there, but they don't care because they're invincible. So they, they agree to go around this little city once, and, of course, doesn't turn out that way. Um, pretty vicious shark stuff. And it is a sequel to Uncaged, an earlier film. And I like both of them. They're really superficial and stupid, but they're kind of fun, and there's a Mean Girls subplot going on. And it's just fun, you know. Those sharks aren't going to hurt anybody. Entertainment. <laughs> okay, so now we're actually talking about Mads. Different Mads. Mads Brueger. Oh. Mads Brueger. Cold oh, case Hammerskult. Yeah. Now, do you remember Dag Hammers? I don't think you do. No. Do you? No. No. He was general, general secretary of the UN, and he was trying to encourage all these African countries to release themselves from colonialism, become independent states back in the 60s. And his plane went down under mysterious circumstances in 1961 in Africa. So this fellow, Muds, um, and somebody else go, and they explore the entire area, interview witnesses. They find bits. Of, the plane had been buried. They found bits of it that were riddled with bullet holes. And then they discover 
a huge plot that you will not believe. Just gives me a shiver thinking about it. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but go see it. This All right. is true stuff. Okay. I don't know if Kate could get John to see it. <laughs> no, no, pro- probably not. <laughs> now, we have to leave it there, but there are more movie and TV reviews up now at whatshesaidtalk.com. And have a great rest of your birthday weekend. <gasps> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Joining us now is Vancouver-based comedian Miles Anderson, who just released his debut comedy album, Miles From Home. Welcome to What She Said. Nice to be here. Well, you've been doing comedy since grade five, and you've come a long way since then. Tell us about the <laughs> album. Um, what, what are some of the topics you cover? Well, I, I talk about a lot of things. Uh, I've got lots of jokes about the ocean because I w- was raised on an island, so that was a significant part of my life. Um, also, I talk about uh, school, um, learning about Canadian history instead of American history. Um, I also talk about uh, differences between French and English Canada. I talk about my time uh, living in Paris doing tours. Oh, you were a tour guide um, in Paris? I was a Paris? tour guide in Paris for a while, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, I think that would be a great job. It was. It was very, it was f- super fun. Um, I don't speak French, though, so it was very difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised well, so, you got hired. Yeah, people speak French, like, all day in France. It's crazy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but tour guides, you know, you, so you were obviously only taking the English-speaking people around. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, clearly. Clearly. So, um, you, well, you talked about living in Victoria, and you graduated from the University of Victoria with a bachelor's degree in music mm-hmm. and grew up as the only musical sibling out of four children. Yes. So, when did the turn to comedy come about? Um, well, I'd always been the, you know, f- the funny person in the, in, the, in the class at school, for sure. I think it's, a, it's strange that I'm the oldest of the siblings, and I'm also the one who demands the most attention, uh, which yeah, maybe makes me mentally ill. I don't know. Because, <laughs> yeah, usually it's the youngest hoping for attention. But I was like, not only am I going to get the attention because I'm the oldest, yeah. I'm also going to demand even more attention because I'm a real diva. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever clock how many photographs your parents took of you compared to your youngest sibling? Oh, well, yeah, I have a running tally. I definitely want at least over 67 percent photographs of me (laughs) just really hog it although i think my little sister now probably has way more photos of her than me (laughs) so did you consider a musical career and then say no yeah it was definitely a fantasy of mine but then i realized in classical music if you're not a professional by the time you're 11 years old it's not going to happen and i started lessons at 12 but it's very true that people in classical music have to be pretty successful immediately um just based on i don't know that's just sort of the tradition now yeah especially they have to in be piano. prodigies yeah and piano know? for sure if you play yeah. an mm-hmm. orchestral instrument you can go play for a symphony and and develop that skill and um you know have more normal of a career but Piano is just... Uh, so was this a second choice? Comedy? Um, yeah. I realized when I was going to classical music school that I was better at comedy than playing oh. the piano. And you, <laughs> yeah. Go with you what like you're good at. Um, I, think, I think so. Um, I liked hanging out with comedians more than hanging out with... The classical music crowd, but, but and you and and you're doing well because you were a finalist in uh, the Seattle International Comedy Competition. Yeah, yeah. Is that where you connected with um, 
Kevin Mayer, is that how you say it? Oh, uh, the yeah. comedy producer? Uh, Kevy is sort of Kevy. his nickname, yes, as he goes by. I actually met him at uh, Heckler's in Victoria. He's kind of the, um, he kind of looks around and, and kind of takes note of comedians that are doing well and recommends them to 604. And um, Seattle was, uh, that was kind of an independent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very difficult. It's three weeks of shows um, to make it through all the rounds, and that was very intense. Um, but Kevy saw me at Heckler's is where I was mostly performing at that time, yeah. Okay, so um, let's listen to a clip from Miles from Home and, uh, and, and find out what he's talking about. Sure. I, uh, I, I, very, I very reluctantly had to move away from Victoria uh, about half a year ago. Very sad to move. Um, but I had to. I was um, sitting in, uh, in Victoria. I was actually in Beacon Hill Park, to be specific. And uh, I saw a really pretty girl there. And uh, she waved at me. And so I waved back. And uh, <laughs> then I turned around and saw she was actually waving at her friend. So... <laughs> I live in Vancouver now. (laughs) It's very different adjusting to life in Vancouver and the the large metropolis that it is. It's got, um, you know, the drivers are just as bad as they are in Victoria. They're just much faster, which is scarier. Like, a Victoria car accident's the same, but it's so slow, it's usually just two cars, like, clang, and then a guy gets out, he's like, I'm a veteran, and you're just like, okay, well. (laughs) That's Victoria. I've got allergies. <laughs> Do you think there's an upsurge in comedy albums right now? Because oh, more and more people are making them. It used to be a thing back in the yeah. days of vinyl, but now yeah. more and more people are. Yeah, going it's to, definitely, to the album. especially in Canada. Uh, one of the reasons is because they uh, have a Juno now for best comedy album, so it's like a way you can right, be, of become course, known, become known. Um, also, because <laughs> there's. Also, just there seems to be more and more traffic, and people sit in their cars for so long now that they actually like to listen to a lot of stuff on the radio. Podcasts are big, comedy albums are becoming bigger, and people just want something to listen to while they're in their car a lot of the time. Okay, so where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on uh, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple Music. Um, my website, milesandersoncomedy.com, has a lot of links to different uh, awesome. ways you can get the album. And well. it's Miles with a Y. Miles with a Y, yeah. All right, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get a... a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rate subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One retractable screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One retractable screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and 
do it all in style. With a unique, affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneInc.com, like I did. What she She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Our next guest has been empowering local women through dance since 2016 with her dance fitness company, Find Your Fierce. Monica Gold, welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having me. Now, Find Your Fierce launched initially as a dance choreography program but has evolved into what you describe as a workout class where Zumba meets Beyonce on a triple (laughs) shot of espresso. So tell us us what that means exactly. It's a mouthful, but it essentially means that it is high energy. The class is crazy. You sweat tons. It is 80% cardio, 20% toning. And what's great is you burn about 500 calories per class. Not that anybody's counting because you don't even realize I say you get fit by accident because it's so much fun. So a lot of people do like to dance, but they're you know, a little intimidated yeah, by the world, world choreography, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So what inspired you to start this? So what inspired me was when I started teaching, it was specifically choreography-based classes. And a lot of people mm-hmm. would come up to me, and I was posting everything on social media, you know, to get people to come out to the classes, to get them to understand what I'm doing. And they would all love what they were seeing. They're like, oh my God, it looks so amazing, so fun, so cool. I can never take a class like that. I go, what are you talking about? And they just said they're too intimidated. So I wanted to find a way to bring that same aspect and energy that I was putting into those choreography-based videos into a class that anybody could take. Anybody? Somebody with two anybody? left feet? Really? Oh yeah, nobody is looking at... The funny part is everyone, a lot of people come into the class and they preface by coming up to me and saying, by the way, I'm not a dancer. And I go, pretty much almost nobody in the class comes in as a dancer. Um, The whole point is that it's easy to follow choreography, stuff that they don't have to memorize and really, really focus so hard on. It's if you can strut back and forth, give me a nice little shimmy and maybe a little booty pop in, you're good to go. <laughs> really? So is there an age limit? So I like to say that we usually target that 20 to 35-year-old, but we have people on such different ends of the spectrum. We have a group of followers who are about 17 mostly, and they're super, super loyal to the brand, and they come to... Some of them come to almost every class. And then they convinced all their moms to come out one day. So them and their moms came out, and it was so much fun. It was honestly like such a good memory for everybody. And yeah, so it really is like we range so far. That's great. My, because, my two daughters used to be competitive dancers. I can tell you they wouldn't be seen anywhere. anywhere. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> really? But I think it, oh, they loved laugh. it. I think for, you know, an older demographic, it would be, you know, we've been through so many exercise programs, starting with Jane Fonda, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's, Leg and, it, and it's just, you know, but something where you just go and dance and you're mm-hmm. not embarrassed and oh, nobody yeah. cares that would be great oh well, yeah. i want to know about the uh the some classes are heels optional yeah so uh 
like I mentioned, our main offering is the dance cardio fitness classes. And don't worry about seeing each other because there's lights and stuff. We dim it down, got crazy lights. With the choreography-based classes, we offer those twice a week. And that's the type of class that I started out teaching. So those are sort of like what a lot of people might know Find Your Fierce for originally before it really pivoted into this cardio dance fitness type of class. Mm -hmm. And those classes are very Beyonce in style, um, very J-Lo in style. You go in, you learn a combination to one song, and then essentially you feel like you're in a little music video. If you want to film yourself at the end, you can. If you want to just do it for fun, stay out of filming, no problem. We totally give that option. So it's really just a good vibe, way to feel confident and empowered and girl power. And where is the, <laughs> the location? Is it the one spot? Yeah. Okay. So it's right by Young and Bloor. It's like two minutes oh, from the Christine, Young Bloor station. It's right where you live. I, oh, well, I think someone might have to come out to a class. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> come and have a look. What time? Don't yeah. tell me it's five in the morning. No, I'd love to offer morning classes, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, all our classes are evenings and weekends. So generally speaking, uh, people coming straight from work, they love our six. We usually have 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. classes. On Thursdays, we go a little later. We go 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Yeah. Um, and then we have weekend classes as well. So what what would you wear to something? Would you wear running shoes? So for the cardio dance fitness classes, yeah. yes. Running shoes, you definitely want running shoes. Um, again, you want to think of it like, like we mentioned before, it's like Zumba meets Beyonce uh, on a triple shot espresso. So if you've ever been to a Zumba class, that's the best reference because I find that most people understand what the concept of Zumba is. So, yeah, running shoes, leggings or shorts, sports bra tank top, T-shirt, anything that you feel comfortable in, just get ready to sweat. Okay, okay so now you are off- offering a promo code uh, for listeners. Um and what she said, Steph. Oh. Uh, uh, the promo code is she fierce. Mm-hmm. So it's S H E F I E R C E. And what is your website so that they can they can do that? Is that where they go to your website yes. and they put in the code? Exactly. So right on our website, findyourfierce.ca. Find wow. your fierce. Yeah. You gonna go? I'll come with you. Yeah, let's do oh it. Oh my god, you're making my day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right, well, Let's thank you. Let's do it. I'll wear sunglasses. So <laughs> you might not be able to see anything then because it is pretty dark in there. Is it? Really? Trust me, you're not going to be looking at anyone else in the room and you're not even going to be looking at yourself. You're going to be watching to follow, so you're going to feel completely at ease. All right, well, so, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today, Monica Gold. Um, and that is it for What She Said Today. We will be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. 
I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.